0: Welcome to Stories from the Vortex. I'm Matthew Cresswell, and I'm joined, as always, by Mary Lane. Hello! This episode sees us taking our first diversion into Big Finish's non-Doctor Who output in some time. I think we, the last time we did it was Sherlock Holmes about ten episodes ago. Yeah. That was a long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, we've said before that this is a podcast, a Doctor Who Audio Adventures podcast, but we do delve into Big Finish's non-Doctor Who output. And this one definitely has a Doctor Who connection because this episode we're reviewing the first set of Big Finish's Survivors based on the 1970s series created by Terry Nation. Known to us Doctor Who fans for creating the Daleks and also to science fiction fans for his creation of Blake 7. Now I think it's to give kind of a brief sort of summary of what Survivors is. Ran for three seasons in the mid-70s on the BBC was reimagined in 2008, I believe it was, ran for a couple of seasons. Terry Nation also did a novel that was basically kind of his exploration of what he would have done, I think, with the whole first season had he not had the interference of Terrence Dudley, who was the producer, who wrote three, shall we say, well-regarded Doctor Who stories, Four to Doomsday, Black Orchid, and The King's Demons. But having given that, I think before we go any further, it's worth noting that if you've never seen the TV series before, I don't think it's any way, in any way essential to listen to this box set whatsoever. I've only actually ever seen, I think, the first two or three episodes of it. And as I think we'll talk about it as we go along, this is something you need to prepare yourself for. This is a series that is most certainly not for the faint of heart.
1: Well, yeah. Um, I don't, do not know what possessed me to want to listen to this. Um, <laughs> because I have, I mean, when I years ago I used to eat up this post-apocalyptic stuff yeah and now I find I do not enjoy this kind of stuff and I realized I was putting this off and putting it off and I didn't know why because you know big finished things are so good and I thought well you know what it's that thing you have now where you really don't want to hear post-apocalyptic
0: stories <laughs> oh man yeah I, I put it off because I had seen the first I think three episodes of the TV series, which I guess, Okay. um, Okay. I think I told you, I got it in from Netflix months and months ago when I was started thinking about getting this and I thought I should watch the TV series.
1: And this is the 1970s. This is the
0: seventies versions, but I watched the first two or three episodes and there's a moment towards the end of the second episode of the original seventies version where it's basically this man and this woman, the guy ends up and they're in a quarry, sort of this trailer in a quarry with all these supplies and whatnot. He's gotten, Jammed under a tractor, and Greg, who you meet in this, uh-huh. when it finally crosses back over with the TV series, and he comes up and he helps him, and it's like he's broken both legs. He'll probably never walk again, having you know his legs have been crushed. Yeah. And their whole plan had been they were going to set up this whole feudal society and whatnot, and they were going to be the Baron and the Baroness, and huh. there's they don't have anybody now, and she doesn't want to take care of them, and greg goes off and that's when he meets jenny for the first time and he comes back to find them and he meets the woman at the top of the hill at the quarry who tells him he's died and he's kind of unsure about it but greg picks her up and they leave and it cuts back to the trailer and the guy literally drags himself out of the trailer (gasps) and starts screaming her name at the top of his lungs begging for help
1: oh my gosh
0: Yeah, and that was about as far as I got with the series, because it was quite clear, it's one of those things I had to be in the mood to watch, that wasn't... Oh, yeah. You know, when we talked about doing this, and I'm going to say this here, it's absolutely brilliant, but it's not for the faint of heart, it's something you really need to be in the mood to want to to get into.
1: Yeah, well, yeah, as is this, these four stories...
0: (laughs) so I guess with that I guess we'll proceed with reviewing Survivors we regret to announce that Parisian Airways Flight 305 to Charles de Gaulle has been cancelled coming soon from Big Finish Productions we assumed an incubation period of five to seven days followed by a fever lasting anything upwards of 24 hours beyond that We're only starting to see that now. Sorry, Mr. Redgrave. They're dead. This whole family. They're not breathing, not moving. But I got better, didn't I? I got better, so they they should have got better, too! We made the
1: world so much smaller. Thought we were so clever. Nobody ever thought what had happened if it suddenly got big again.
0: This is Dr. James Gillison. Can anybody hear me? When the plague came, I was in Holland. When I flew back, came down the coast,
1: sorry saw enough to know that what we've experienced in Britain is likely to be the same across the world. You know what the towns are like. There's disease. I haven't spoken to anyone for days. I'm Jenny, by the way. Jenny Richards.
0: It's a matter of survival. Survivors.
1: Something that I read that was an encouragement for people who had not seen the um, the original and the reimagined TV series is that what the writers have done with this is approach the stories from a whole different angle so that some of the characters from the original series kind of weave in and out. Right. Uh, so we're approaching them kind of from the side as opposed to the story starting right out about being about them, about those main central characters.
0: Yeah, that's something I think that's very important to this. It runs, I think, very much, as I believe uh, Matt Fitton says in the extras on the first story, It runs basically this runs parallel with the first season of the TV series, with the first two stories from this basically running parallel to the first two episodes of the 70s TV series, which is part of what i've seen so you can imagine my interest because it's you know and it's you're halfway through the second episode before you actually meet anybody from the tv series whatsoever form of the jenny richards character played by lucy fleming so it's something i think if you don't know the original tv series it's something that you can approach very easily but as i said it's something pre- you need to prepare yourself for very much <laughs> The first thing that
1: struck me when I saw the layout of the um, the four parts of the story is that each part is named after a book of the Bible. Yes. And I wondered if that is something that is a carryover from the original.
0: I don't think so. I remember the first episode, I believe, was called The Fourth Horseman. Okay. And I think the second episode was Genesis, I believe. Okay, And that was about as far as I got.
1: Well, just the episode titles that you remember um, suggest large themes, just as having these different episodes named after books of the Bible suggest large themes. And I have to say that the first thing that struck me was the music that introduces each one. Um, And that music says... Whoa, you know, epic, grand ideas. It's that kind of music.
0: Yeah. And, and
1: I wonder if that is uh, also
0: from the TV series. Oh, yes. That theme tune is most certainly from the original TV series. Oh. Um, that music, <laughs> it's arresting. Um, and I think, wow, if I could just have this music. <laughs> I'm sure, I don't know. I can't remember who did the theme tune. But something I remember from the series, it does carry over into the box set, is that there's very little music. Outside of that theme tune. And you get the occasional sting somewhere. Right. For the most part, it's silence. Mm -hmm. And people, something about the TV series that they were able to address in doing this, as they talk about the extras, is the fact that the TV series, because of budgets, had to go basically into the countryside. Because, you know, this was 1975, it was pre-CGI. And even on a Hollywood film budget, if you look if you wanted the comparable look at the nineteen seventy one film The Omega Man with Charlton Heston, which is another plague into the world film, which is set in Los Angeles and it's done on the Hollywood budget. And they still struggled to do it. They ended up shooting on like Sunday afternoons when nobody was going shopping. It was the only way they could actually do that. And of course on the on a BBC TV budget, it just wasn't possible. Whereas on audio you don't have to deal with all of those constraints. So it's something I think that they're able to approach here is the fact you can do you know you can do things set in London or you can do things set at Heathrow Airport and also you don't have to deal with frankly disturbing graphic right stuff right. of our uh, imaginations
1: do a much better job yeah you know,
0: and <laughs> it was fascinating listening particularly to that very first episode when cuz the thing the thing one of the things that's amazing about the TV series is the fact that even though the first season had 13 episodes Terry Nation brought the world to an end in 50 minutes in the first episode, Mm. and in the first episode of this, Revelation, they brought the world to an end in right around an hour, and they do it right before your ears, and it is absolutely chilling, and in its authenticity, you can believe what you're hearing.
1: Absolutely.
0: And, I think and some of the characters
1: that we meet in that first episode, the main character of that first episode pretty much is that Maddie Price um, and her the, the man she meets up with, uh, John Redgrave. Played by Terry Malloy. Yes, and Maddie Price played by... Uh, Chase Masterson.
0: Thank you. <laughs> who, just to interrupt you real quick, I know when we did Night of the Stormcrow, which Chase Masterson is in, uh-huh. I was very critical of her performance there, as I was very critical... About her performance in a Seventh Doctor main range story she was in called *The Shadow Heart*. Mm-hmm. I was very critical of her, largely because I got the feeling she was reading off a page in those performances. Uh-huh. I did not get that feeling here whatsoever. No, uh, in fact, she's
1: very grating when you first meet her. Um, she's not a likable person, and and her voice is very annoying. Yes which at first I thought, oh, this is a bad actress. (laughs) And then I looked up and said, oh, my goodness, this is Chase Masterson. But as the episode wears along, what it is about her that makes her so abrasive is also what makes her such a hero as this is going along. Yes. So, yeah, I really appreciated that.
0: Her performance here was a revelation for me, as I said, having been Uh very critical of her Uh in other releases. And then to hear her in this, and it was like, is this the same actress? (laughs) Because, you know, you never, never get the sense that this is a woman reading off a page. No. You get the sense that this is a, she's a stranger in a strange land to coin a phrase.
1: Yeah, if you can imagine being, she's an American and she is trapped at Heathrow Airport trying to get a plane home and with the world falling apart around her, she is, (laughs) I hate to say it, but she is pretty much a typical American. You know, she's kind of, braving on through she's still believing that it's possible and she's going to make it happen
0: yeah it is to a certain extent they start with her character by invoking the cliche of the ugly american Mm -hmm. the loud the brash the arrogant Mm -hmm. but i think that what happens to her as this goes on is a very almost humbling experience for her i think
1: well, and she meets up, uh, as we said, with Mr. Redgrave, played by Terry Malloy, yes. who is the epitome of the British civil servant. yes, who everything has its place and everything has you know there's rules for everything. and but he is so gentle and, and that they are like oil and water in this first episode. But by the end of it, <laughs> you're rooting for both of them.
0: Yeah. I mean, Terry Malloy's performance here as well is a revelation for those of us who are used to hearing him as Davros. Right, right, yeah. And, and I had twice to make sure that was him. <laughs> I think he talks about in the extras at one point about it's the kind of character he never gets to play. Right. And he's absolutely fantastic in it. As you say, is the epitome of the British civil servant. Understated. hmm Braving through things. Fear breaking any rules. <laughs> yeah. He's like the eye of a storm in a way. The world is crashing down around him and he's trying to sort of hang on to things like, you know, we'll get instructions and help will come. Yes. And she's sitting there going, you know, John, the world's falling apart.
1: Yeah. We got to go make ourselves, you know, (laughs) we got to do this ourselves. We can't sit around and wait for people.
0: Yeah. And also in the first episode, we're introduced to uh, the characters of Helen Wiseman and Daniel Connor played by Caroline Languisher, I believe, and John Banks playing Daniel Connor, mm-hmm. and it also off- that offers us a slightly different perspective on the world coming to an end, in that there are these two newspaper reporters who've got this big story, mm-hmm. and they approach it as I think you know journalists do. It's like you know terrible things can be happening around you. It's like I just want to get filed my story,
1: right, right, um,
0: and it ultimately turns into a case that there's not going to be anybody left to tell the story too. Mm-hmm. And as I said, that first episode is absolutely amazing. For oh, you can hear in the background,
1: you know, the, the sickness that is going on around these main characters. Oh, yes. Oh, and, and the conversation. I mean, it sounds like you are in an airport, crowded full of people who don't know what to do. <laughs>
0: yeah. It was, a I had a very surreal experience as we talked about before we started recording that, I listen to a lot of this driving home from work or really early in the morning or in the middle of the night when there's nobody on the road. And it's a very surreal experience to listen to the end of the world while you're driving down an empty road. <laughs> but the first episode, I think, is, I, I would go out on the limb and say, I think it's one of the best things Big Finish have ever done.
1: Oh, it, it's immersive, was the word I would put on it totally
0: immersive and
1: I I I started out the way I like to listen to big finished stories is to be doing tasks around the house or driving from here to there or whatever I started doing a very simple chore around the house I ended up drifting over into a chair and sitting there for the entire first episode (laughs) it was just so immersive
0: I not think
1: of anything else
0: yeah like the first episode of the of the original tv series it's the end of the world in an hour Mm mm-hmm and as you say, Mary, it is an incredibly immersive experience and it draws you in. And I think that's why, I, as I said, I think it's one of the best things Big Finish have ever produced
1: mm-hmm.
0: as a result of that. I think it is, I've used the term before, perfect storm, a combination of acting and sound design and the script by Matt Fitton. Mm-hmm. Um But something that I think was really interesting as well is the James Gillison character that we meet in this first one as well, played by Adrian Lucas.
1: Yes, who sounds like the voice of hope.
0: And it's interesting because he's a sociology professor or lecturer. (laughs) And he's giving these lectures to his students as the plague is beginning to hit Mm -hmm. about that when society falls apart, people turn into animals. And it's just setting up beautifully everything that's going to be explored in the three CDs that are going to follow it. Right, right. And I think that in turn is having gone through the end of the world, of course, you know, what happens afterwards. And that's really what Exodus, Jonathan Morrison's second story.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, Now now people are, in in Exodus, people are on the move. People looking for groups to join or places to hide or just to find items to survive with, food, clothing, whatever they need.
0: Right, and we're introduced to Louise Jameson, in the second episode, playing Jackie Bursel, I believe her name.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Oh my God. Oh yeah. What a story she has.
1: Oh. That, yes. My oh. heart is out to the woman she plays. It's it's hard to talk about without spoiling it. Yes, yeah, but, but she's it, totally into the fantasy of what's going on around her. Yeah. And it is, does not deal well with the truth.
0: It is totally heartbreaking Mm
1: -hmm.
0: to say the very least about her performance in that second episode
1: yes and we begin to sense that there is a character who's going to give us some continuity from episode to episode and that is daniel the, the reporter right because he's the one who discovers um jackie who is the the character that louise jameson plays he's the one who discovers jackie yeah and has to deal with her tragedy
0: yeah but i think something as well that really surprised me about this and something from the tv series as well is the fact that you don't necessarily know who's going to live from story to story right and i think that you know if if you're used to something like dr who from big finish where we go into dr Who as we talked about before i know especially when we talked about the rocket man that we know the doctor's going to make it out of it alive. We know the companions, by and large, are going to make it out alive because they're effectively missing adventures in, a t- in the TV series. Here, you don't have that luxury. Right. you I get, know, you get very attached to some people and then they die. <laughs> I and mean, it's amazing um, that, you know, you'll meet a character who gets really introduced. Yeah. And then they can turn around in the space of a few minutes or the end of a CD, or two CDs later, and they're dead. And it's just kind of yeah. like, whoa. Yeah. Totally shocking, because you get
1: their backstory, you, you get to you know them and care about them, and then an event comes along that they die for. It's
0: it's not fair. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, and we start getting the sense, I think, of people trying to rebuild, and you get Gillison, who's, basically founded this community at this college that he was he was teaching at yeah he's broadcasting
1: out to any survivors to come to his community because they have food and clothing and you know they can be safe and all that so so he he does come across as the voice of
0: hope Uh, but as i think as things go along Uh i think there's you start getting that sense yeah, you start
1: feeling very uneasy with him.
0: Yeah, he he is most certainly a man with a plan. But it was res- you reach a point I think very close to the end of the second CD where it's very clear that this is a guy who will do what he has to do for his plan. Right. And we talked about the fact that you get attached to characters who then just suddenly die. Uh
1: uh-huh.
0: Is exactly that point and. I sense almost from the without giving away the ending of the second episode, there feels like that by the time you reach the end of the second episode, and with one very particular character, that there's a story that's going to there's a story that sort of ends there, but there's a sense that there's a thread left hanging as well, if that makes sense. Yeah. Which now that we know that there's a second and a third box set coming, I wonder if that's a Thre- wonder if that's a thread they might yeah, potentially uh,
1: because... pick up.
0: But you talk about continuity characters, and in fact, it's only midway through the second story that we actually encounter anybody from the TV series. When we, as I said, we first encounter the Jenny character played by Lucy Fleming. Mm-hmm. Um, and she, it's interesting having seen the first two episodes of the TV series, that and to give Jonathan Morris and Matt Fitton, who's the script editor, credit that her little cameo it's really kind of, I guess, more of an extended cameo in the second episode. Actually perfectly fits in with the TV series. And it makes perfect sense.
1: What you're talking about Jenny Richards? Yeah. Okay. Because I, I don't think of her as having a cameo. She's in quite a bit of it. Well, she's in the second one for about two scenes, which is about five or six minutes. And maybe I just remember her being in it more. Yeah. Well, she in not It's the head of their community, Abby, that seems more like a
0: cameo. Well, we'll, yeah, I guess we'll talk about that when we get to three and four. But, you know, we meet her about midway through the second one. She's in it. Oh, I'm sorry. We're still talking
1: about the second one.
0: Yeah. Well, that's, you know, that's something we talk about in trying to review box sets. And this is actually, I think, (sighs) it's a box set, but it's a serial. It's very much, I think, four very connected stories. And that you go on a journey. And that's what it is it's a journey Mm -hmm. with these. Well, Survivors, there's no other way to put it. Um, And I think it's only when you get to the beginning of the third one, Judges, by Andrew Smith, that you start really kind of tying back into the TV series. And You get the first appearance of Ian McCullough's character, Greg, and you get the kind of the cameo by the Abby Grant character, played by Carolyn Seymour, who, as I understand it, left the show at the end of the first season. But I know that reading on the Big Big Finish's announcement when they announced series two and three that she is going to have a bigger role in those. So we'll see, I think, with her character. but She very much sort of stays behind in this community Mm -hmm. that they have going, which is from the TV series. And that's kind of the connection from the TV series into the characters we meet in the first two. And I think that the sense of unease that we get about Gillison and this community in the second one really pays off in the third one. Yeah. And if you, if you had any doubts about things, if you, you know, any doubts we may have about Gillison and how far he will go to protect his, let's say, vision in inverted commas. <laughs> uh-huh. I, a while back, I read a book called The Great Terror by a historian named Robert Conquest on the Stalinist purges and trials of the 1930s. And why... They happened what was the mindset and why people just accepted it and i feel like that that kind of informed my understanding of gillison and the community oh okay and what happens because it's there's a big parallel i think that what happens between gillison and this community and stalin's russia where you come somebody starts out with this big utopian vision Though frankly, communism is a great idea on paper, but there, no way it works in real life. I think history has told us that. I want to say that as a bit of a disclaimer. Right. But it's it's a big utopian vision of things. Nevertheless, I think, if you really kind of try to analyze it, flawed though it may be. And the fact that you do get, once it's established, and the fact that people will suddenly go to extraordinary and horrible lengths to try and protect that vision, or their vision of that vision. hmm <laughs> And I think that really informed my sort of thoughts on Gillison as a character and what he does, particularly in the third one. Particularly when you get to the ending of it, which I'm obviously not going to give away, but it is a kind of a big
1: shock moment. It is a shock, yes. Well, and also in the third one, we begin to have a more steady group of central characters that are working together. Which includes the uh, the Jenny and Greg from the original TV series. Right. Because they're still trying to get back to the community they came
0: from. Right. Um, they basically go off foraging for supplies or trying to find supplies. And they basically end up running into this.
1: This community, which uh, it's a little difficult to leave.
0: Yes. Which, you know, and it's basically what I think that happens in the fourth one. Esther by John Dorney mm-hmm. is that it's basically them trying to get away. Right. And the final one's hard to talk about because of that it, ending.
1: Very, much so. very um, much
0: so. But to kind of say that going back to what I was talking about in terms of Stalin and the purges and whatnot, part of the reason that Stalin was so successful was he had a cult of personality mm-hmm. around him. And I feel in a way that's what Gillison kind of establishes around him
1: well and another similarity that came to mind although I have no insight as to what brought it about was Jonestown
0: oh yes that that, I I thought that as well the absolute
1: allegiance to that vision of community
0: (laughs) to the sense that yeah, it, I think it's easy to look at Gillison as being a, just a villain, but I think there's more to his character than that. And I think that the last couple of scenes of yeah, Esther okay. really reveal a lot about his mindset that we don't previously know about. Right. Or right. understand.
1: Yeah, it's a bit of a revelation in, at the end. Along with the horrible, you see some of the motivation for it.
0: Yeah. And I think that it's not comfortable listening.
1: No, it is not. None of this is comfortable listening. None of
0: this is comfortable <laughs> listening. I think once you get beyond about the first, oh, 15, 20 minutes of Revelation, the first one. Yes. You, there's a reason, I think, why there's a warning on the Big Finish website that says, "Note: Survivors contains adult material and is not suitable for younger listeners. Mm-hmm. Um, Because, my God. Yeah, it's, horrific, uh, I think, it hits it in some places. Yeah, I think it's the sense of it's not just yeah you know, the, the the obvious effects of the plague bodies everywhere right you know?
1: it's the what is devolution of society
0: yeah it's it's our it's humanity's ability to be inhuman to each other
1: mm-hmm. and how much those that feel lost and desperate are willing to turn over their their freedoms and beliefs and all that over to someone that they think is going to be their savior
0: yeah and I think that, that that's a big part of it. I mean, you know, I talk about Solace Russia, you talk about Jonestown. And I think Gillison ends up basically forming a cult around him.
1: Yes, he does.
0: Uh-huh. Um, To the point that I think it ends up, it's his way or no way. Right. And that the journey throughout this whole thing is how far that no way becomes. Right. What I think starts out as trying to maintain the rule of law which i think is understandable at first mm-hmm. that to reform society there has to be rules right but the question then becomes how far do you go how right. far is too far and, and who do you put in charge of and those who do you put in charge and there's an interesting, interesting those rules yes. yeah and there's an interesting line red Grade, in fact has very early in exodus about you know, we've got to reestablish society and whatnot, because I'm making it up as I go along, but what if I don't? You know, the wrong people are going to end up in charge. Right. right. And that's exactly what happens, I think.
1: Well, to this particular band. Yes. Um, but we know from the existence of another community headed by at least the little that we hear, someone more h- humanely running that community.
0: Yes. But I think that Gillison, in a way, strikes me as an extension of the Huxley character who's mentioned very briefly in the third one, Judges, by Jenny, Mm -hmm. who was played by George Baker in the TV series. He showed up in one episode and was kind of left a big influence because his thugs, as Jenny refers to them, show up, as I understand it, a couple more times. But he starts out forming a community very much along the same, I want to say dictatorial lines, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And... I think that actually, you know, it's the fascinating compare and contrast between the community from the TV series that we get glimpses of here, and the community that Gillison and Daniel Connor and everybody else is kind of living in that they end up encountering. You talk about the the, the big philosophical themes in this. I think, you know, as we talked about, our ability to be inhuman to each other, the the de-evolution of society. You know, but also the fact that how easy it is to end up in a totalitarian state almost. Mm-hmm. Sort of out of a sense of necessity, suddenly breeds something absolutely terrible with absolutely horrific consequences. So I think, you know, and it's, it as we've said, that this is not comfortable listening whatsoever. But I will go and say that I think, by and large, the first CD in particular, I think, is one of the best things Big Finish ever have ever produced. But I think that this entire box set, for that matter, is one of the best things Big Finish have ever done. It's dark, it's morbid, and it's a very unhappy place to be in. But I think that because it's done, it's done very much with a straight face, as was, I think, the TV series in the beginning. And it's done with an authenticity. You can believe this is happening. Mm -hmm. there's a sense of verisimilitude to it all that I think it it may be all those things I said, it may be dark, it may be morbid, it may be unpleasant listening at times, but it's very, I think, real, disturbingly so.
1: But at the end, there is, if not hope, there at least is the belief that there are better people and there are communities out there. Yeah that you you assume you're going to encounter as the story continues.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. It does end with kind of a sense of hope. Uh-huh. uh And like I said, not necessarily hope, but the fact that there are more people out there.
1: And there seem to be some not horrible people out there.
0: <laughs> yeah. But I think it's the sense that, as an old saying goes, you have to go through hell to yeah. get to heaven. Yeah. And it, it most certainly is hell. You know, if you think about what these characters go through, just the stuff that's hinted at, not even the stuff that you actually encounter firsthand is as horrific as some of the stuff you encounter firsthand is in this. Mm-hmm. The fact that we get references to other things, you know, is even more, I think, alarming at times. Mm-hmm. But as I said, I think that even for all of that, I think as a result even, perhaps, it's one of the best things Big Finish have ever done. <laughs> I think you've said that about a dozen times during the course of this well I, I can't help it i i feel as depressing as it is i feel oddly enthusiastic about it if that makes any sense <laughs> whatsoever uh, <laughs> that
1: yeah it. yeah it, and, and i have very mixed feelings about it because whereas i used to be an enthusiastic watcher of post-apocalyptic movies and tv shows and that now, I, I, I avoid them. I don't like being put through um, the, the, the horror and the negativity and, and all that.
0: The emotional wringer, really. Yeah,
1: well, I, exactly. That as well. Yeah, I, I avoid pretty much all of that now. But this again, it is so well done. It is so, as we've already said, so immersive that I want to know what happens next. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I'm
0: going to be looking for that next box set download is only $25 from Big Finish. So if you're into the downloads, you can get it that way. It's fairly cheap. It's four CDs worth, but I think it's well worth the money. If you enjoy good storytelling and good performances and good audio drama in general, then I highly recommend Survivor Series 1.
1: Oh yes, I definitely recommend it as well. <laughs> you'll you'll enjoy being miserable.
0: <laughs> as I said, it's it's utterly depressing, but it's hard. Having heard it, it's hard not to be enthusiastic about it, nevertheless, as contradictory as that may seem. <laughs> uh, we, I think we'd be very interested in hearing other people's thoughts on survivors as well, if you've heard it. If so, please send in your feedback, either written or MP3, to our feedback address, feedback.vortex at yahoo.com. You can also join our Facebook group, and where you'll be more than welcome to talk about this and be very interested, as I said, in some of the discussion this might spark.
1: Yeah, I would really love to have some discussion. I would love to hear what somebody else has to say.
0: Tell us that we're wrong with our enthusiasm is the main main thing (laughs) I want to hear. So I think that just about wraps things up for what is probably going to be our shortest episode in quite some time. But what are we doing next time, Mary? I believe we are doing the new
1: adventures of Bernice Summerfield.
0: Ah, yes. We'll be firmly back in Doctor Who territory and hopefully something a bit lighter in tone. (laughs) yes i'm looking forward to that indeed as a big seventh doctor fan i'm very much looking forward to it so i guess until next time that's goodbye from me and goodbye from me so long thanks for all the fish take care